for a number of years, we supported the Brian Elon family in Russia. And uh, so that led us a few years ago to meet his sons uh, who came through. And Brother Sean Elam came through, what was it two years ago? I think it's about two years ago now. And uh, so we got to, we, we ended up taking him on for support as well. And then Miss Monica is here with us tonight. That's a blessing to have her. Uh, and so uh, we are uh, looking forward to hearing some things. He's just going to give us some updates and then going to preach to us as well. So he lived in Canada until age eight, right? And then to Russia. And now back to Canada. So we ask the Lord to use them. You pray for them as they do these, take on this endeavor. But brother, why don't you come to us and give us what the Lord's plan. Praise the Lord. Uh, what amazing, what a blessing it is to see so many people out this tonight. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's been two years since I was last here. I was here with my um, ugly brother. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but I'm very thankful to be here with my beautiful wife here. Praise the Lord. It's such a blessing. And uh, we've been traveling the States now for about two months now and uh, just visiting churches and uh, raising support. So praise the Lord. And very, very grateful to um, everyone here for your love, for your prayers for us, for your support of us. Just through the years, it's just been a big blessing too. Um, for the last couple, you know, for the last year um, or two years, it's been for my wife and I, and then, but just for our whole family, the Elam family, for so many years, we're very grateful, and we do not take your life, sacrifice lightly. And it's, I know, it was a sacrifice, and thank you so much. It's such a blessing to be here. I just love the last song we just saying, "Oh how I love Jesus." If you are saved here today and you can't say, "Oh how I love Jesus," then something's wrong with you. <laughs> God so much loved us. How can we not sing, "Oh how I love Jesus"? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I, uh, to, for a lot of people who might not know me, and uh, there's a lot of new faces here that I've never met, so praise the Lord for that. That's such an awesome thing. Um, I, my name is Brother Sean. I'm Sean Patrick Riley Elam. My full name's that. Just call me Sean Elam. Um, I'm a missionary to Canada. Um, my, my parents were sent, Brother Brian and Sister Camille Elam, they were missionaries in Russia for 12 and a half years. Um, and I served along my with my parents there for that whole time. And uh, I do speak Russian. I won't speak Russian because it's against the Word of God if without an interpreter, right? <laughs> Although I think only my wife would understand me, I think. So that doesn't really help, right? But um, anyways, but uh, we lived there for a long time and uh, served the Lord there. And we're very thankful for the Lord for the years that we had there. Um, but my wife and I, uh, so my name is Sean Elam, my beautiful wife here is Monica Elam, and uh, she's, I'm from Canada, she's from India, of all places, I don't know how we met, it was just the Lord, <laughs> um, I lived in Russia, uh, yeah, it's an amazing thing, but uh, you can ask the story a little bit later if you want, don't have time right now to ask how we got, how we met each other, that is an amazing story, it's a truly a, uh, Isaac and Rebecca story, and how the Lord moved there, and uh, very, very grateful for uh, the years that Lord's allowed us to be together. We're coming up to four years now. It's amazing, Lord. Praise the Lord. We serve the Lord um, to our, the best of our ability, as faithful we can for us these um, coming four years. So praise the Lord for that. We're very grateful. And uh, so we were, um, I was ordained and uh, sent, we were sent out of Kazadil Baptist Temple. is our home church in Goshen, Ohio. If you don't know where that is, that's okay. You have to actually know where it is to actually find it. Um, but um, same church as my parents are sent out of. Um, 
We are missionaries out of that church. We were sent out of um, Kazadil um, in 2021 as missionaries to Russia. And uh, we served the Lord there in Russia for about a year, year and a half, till the Lord took us out last October. So it's been over a year now since we've been out of Russia. Um, and uh, just serving the Lord beside my parents as they were the senior missionaries, we as the juniors, um, but just serving the Lord together, and that was just a blessed time. But uh, in October, uh, the f- it was October 2nd, 2022, the Lord came to us and uh, very made it very clear to my father and I that we had um, finished our course, we had kept the faith, we had done, we had run our race in Russia. And uh, that was very difficult because we knew that there was so much more we could do and that we were we had such great opportunities available ahead of us through the English school that we had going on there, through the contacts we were making. We, could, we, saw, had, we saw great potential that the Lord could do. But God said it was time pack up and leave. And uh, so that was very difficult to leave, but the Lord knew. And um, so we left. We only had a few days to pack up. We only, my wife and I only had like two days to pack everything we had and all in six bags. And we left Russia, tried to go straight to Canada, but due to some documentation issues, we couldn't go straight to Canada. So we were turned around in Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, I had to send my wife by herself. And that was nerve wracking. <laughs> Um, by herself from Istanbul to India to meet up with her uncle who would meet her halfway and uh, she went there and I went to Kyrgyzstan for about three weeks to get my Indian visa and uh, in the late October I went to I went I uh, met with my wife in India and uh, we got together together so praise the Lord for that we were in India so far we were um, for the last 10 months before we came to America we were in India a lot of people ask, so do you start a church, or what were you doing? We didn't go there with any focus to start a church, not at all. I knew from the very beginning, from the very moment of time that we left Russia, that the Lord had laid upon my heart, my home country of Canada. Um, I'm from originally from Alberta, Canada. I was born in um, 1999 in a small town of Red Deer. Uh, it's right between Edmonton and Calgary, actually dead center of those two cities. Um, and uh, I was I was there till I was eight years old, and then we went on a mission field. But it was an amazing thing because it was an amazing thing that the Lord worked in my heart for Canada because I will go anywhere God leads me to go, and I still have that heart. Go anywhere God wants me to go. I know that's the best place to be. It's best to be in God's will. It's always the best place you can be. And um, when we t- were in Russia, we talked over the possibilities of what if we were kicked out or if God took us out or if we had to leave. What would we do? Where would we go? Because I knew for uh, many years, I knew the Lord had called me to be a missionary, to be a p- church planner. And so I knew that I was going to be continuing like that. So I, as we talked, my parents knew that they would go back to the States, come back here to the States and start a church plant there as they are in right now in Mason, Ohio, starting a church work there. Um, and as I talked it over with my father, I said, you know, I don't know exactly, but I'll go wherever I want to go, but wherever God wants me to go. But if God gave, would give me the desire of my heart, I would desire to go back to Canada. Understand something. I'm going to Canada not because I'm not from, because I'm from there. That is true. I am from Canada. I'm not going to Canada. We're not going to Canada, actually, because my relatives are there. And they are. I'm not going to Canada because it's easier than it has been. It is. 
It's not as free as it is here in the States, but it's not as socialistic as is in Russia. I'm going there because God has given me a burden, which started many, many years ago. God planted a seed unbeknownst to my father and myself in my heart for the people of Canada. As we traveled through the States on deputation in 2008, 2009, 2010, um, everywhere where we went, my father would stand up here right where I'm standing, would share his testimony, share his burden for the people of Russia. And as he would speak, he would say, please pray for the Russian people. Pray for us as we go to reach these people. Pray that their hearts would be open. But as you pray for Russia, don't forget my people, Canada. Because there are very few at that time, and it's even less now, very few people want to go to Canada. And at the moment in time, I heard this everywhere we went. And the Lord planted a seed in my heart, a desire to reach my own people. So the Lord's giving me the desire of my heart to go to the land of Canada. The reality of the Canada, Canada is a, there's a huge need for local independent Baptist churches there in Canada. Canada is the second largest country in the world by landmass. It's huge, absolutely huge. In all of Canada, there are less, less than 10 independent local Baptist churches in Canada, all of Canada. Okay. The, almost amount, I can almost count as many uh, as that we know of on one hand. It's very sad. The province that we're going to, that I'm from, Alberta, is the fourth largest province state in Canada, about 5% less than the size of Texas. It's huge, absolutely huge. There's not one independent Baptist, unaffiliated Baptist church there. Not one. There's a huge need in Canada for local churches to be planted. The Lord has called my wife and I to be church planters. God has made it very clear to me that we are not to build upon another man's foundation. There are needs in Canada and everywhere else in the world today for churches that need pastors. I have a burden and a heart for them. I am concerned for them. But God has not given me that calling. We are called to start from the ground up, which I'm thankful for. The Lord has given me a burden for the people of Canada. Canada itself is huge, and it's very mixed people. There are all around, approximately, 430 different people groups in Canada. Just think on that for a moment. 430. That's a lot of people. A lot of different cultures. That means there's different cultures, different religions, different languages, different backgrounds that you're having to face. I have a heart, my, my personal burden is, my, my call is to reach the forsaken, that is to reach the mixed people of Canada. My burden is to reach the forsaken, to reach the strangers, to reach the foreigners. Why? I know what it's like to be a foreigner. I know what it's been. I, I was a, I've been a foreigner in Russia for 12 and a half years. Coming back here to America, I feel myself a foreigner. Going back to Canada, I haven't back, been back to Canada for 10 years. I would feel a foreigner there too. I know what it's like to leave your home country. I felt, when I left Russia, I felt like I was leaving my home, my country. What they've had to go through is absolutely terrible. It's absolutely sad, very sad. And I have a burden to reach those people. Why? Because not only are they just foreigners, but they, as being a foreigner, you feel you're always on the outside. And you're unloved, you're undesired. There's very little hope for you. You have no rights. There's nothing 
as a foreign that you have, that the other people around you have. I have a great desire to reach those people because I desire to bring them the hope of the gospel. That which is able to set them free and give them hope and the peace that passes all understanding that comes from the word God. Canada is huge. Our ministry is to be church planners. What does it mean to be a church planner? Well, short form of it, to start churches. What does that entail? Well, number one, to call people to the gospel through the word of God. Call people to salvation through the gospel. We will be calling different mixed people because Canada is a mixed people. There, you, What culture you think of, they're probably there. Indians people are there, Russian people are there, Mexican people are there, Filipino people are there, you name it, they're there. There's so many people, not to mention the native people of Canada, the Inuit people, the Eskimo people, the northern people, they're there too. And many times the northern people are unforsaken. It's interesting, it's strange. We have found that just very few people want to go to the northern countries. More people prefer to go where it's the more south, where it's warm. And they don't understand that they may, there are some missionaries, I'm not saying all, but there are some missionaries, a few, that allow, that leave, let their desires and let their preferences, preferences direct their path, direct their way, direct where they go. I, I was in India for 10 months. I don't like the heat. I absolutely hate it. I prefer the cold. I'm so thankful to be having snow soon. But if God called me to India, I would go. I'm not going to let my own preferences, my own whims direct me where I go. Because there's people there, people everywhere who need to hear the gospel. Our call, so we will be calling people, the mixed people, to the gospel, uh, to salvation through the gospel. Number two, and you can find this all on a prayer card. If you haven't got a, a new prayer card, we have some brand new prayer cards. Praise the Lord. Um, a man in our church did them, and they're just really, he did a really good job. So please grab one. In the back here, you'll see the different, just pictures of different people groups that you'll see in Canada. And then um, our, our uh, sending church information and then our call. You can read that. And then our ministry. And here, our ministry basis is number one, to call. Number two, to baptize these new, these New Testament disciples and make them, um, make, and let them start to, um, be trained in the ministry. Number two is to teach and train these people in biblical leadership. Why? Because God has called my wife and I to be church planners. That means that we're not going to be there forever. We're going to go there, preach the gospel, and train people so that they might be able to continue on, and then when that church is able to stand on its own, to go forward as the Lord directs. So we'll be calling, baptizing, teaching, and training. Number four, establish a local independent Baptist church, which is so needed in Canada. It's it's absolutely very very sad that there there are churches there. And understand that there are churches there, but there are very 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 few who will stand for the truth of the gospel. So many churches in Canada who used to believe what the Word of God says have changed what they believe because due to their own whims or due to the fellowship they have with other churches who believe contrary to the Word of God. More, Baptist, more and more Baptist churches in Canada have begun to become, to, begun to become more liberal, more um, 
uh, contemporary. They've begun to teach Calvinism, believe Calvinism. My grandfather, who was a, the first missionary, I'm a third generation missionary. My grandfather, he used to be a missionary. He's now Calvinist. My the other churches are becoming more Rockmanism, uh, turning to more Rockmanism, Rockmanist, what he teaches. It's actually very sad. And they teach universal church. It's, it's, there's not many who hold the word of God with grace, who stand for the truth of God without, um, without, without, um, standing, uh, standing down, who will stand for the word of God without, um, uh, I apologize. I can't remember the word in English without, um, without the, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter what them, what the man thinks. Compromise. Thank you. Litsimiria in Russian. Without compromise. There's a need for churches there. We will be establishing churches and equipping them with the, with the tools they need to begin other churches. That's how churches are spread. That's how more churches are able to spring up. When one church who's been found, I believe if a church is able, should send missionaries out of their own church, should go and start other churches. That's how we get more churches everywhere else. It begins with us, with a church here. I believe, and this is what we will be teaching, and we'll be training men that they will continue on and do that which we had gone there to do, to start other works and start other churches, reach out and try to start other church plants on their own. And number four, number five, and this for my wife and I, we will continue to extend to other places. I have a desire to reach the foreigners. Why? Because I can't go to the countries they're from. They can. Many of them can return back to their home country and reach their people. Many of them can go back to the people that live in Canada, that they're from, and reach them that I can't personally reach. So I have a desire to extend to other places and other countries through the disciples that God allows us to make through the gospel from other countries and other nations. And we'll continue to do on the whole process again. Call, baptize, teach, and train, and establish over and over again until the Lord comes. That's my our ministry. That's what we were called to do. There's a need in Canada. We'll be beginning off in Alberta. There's a great need there. There are other provinces who need churches too. Pray for us, as I know you will. And we're very so thankful for your prayers. We could not have done what God... God. It was only through your prayers that we saw God do what he did. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you. It's only of your prayers that my wife has a visa to America for 10 years, that God gave it to her in a month and a half, when it should have taken no less than six months. God gave it to her in a month and a half. She has one for 10 years. That's because of your prayers. There's such a power through prayer, and so many people forget that. Prayer is very powerful. The, the fervent and effectual prayer of a, of a righteous man availeth much. Please pray, as I know you will, and you have been. Pray for the people of Canada. And as my father said many, many years ago, as you pray for Russia, don't forget Canada. And now I say, as you pray for Canada, don't forget Russia. Please don't forget Russia. They are a war-torn country right now. There's so many people who need the gospel. There's even fewer churches there than there are in Canada as a larger country. Please don't forget them. Please pray for us, that God would enable us to go and do the work of the ministry. We need a visa for my wife to Canada, which we're working on right now. We need God to raise support. 
for us. We're right now at about 20% right now. Praise the Lord for that. God's good. But please pray. We need God to do great and mighty works, great and mighty things, which we know not. We need Him to see Him to do great things. Pray for us. Thank you for having us in. I appreciate it. Thank you, church, for having us in. If there are any questions you may want to ask, please ask away. I'm ready to ask and answer any questions you might have. I'm very open. Any questions you might have? We need to leave, yeah, so by early next year, we have, we only have six months in the country at a time in America. And so by, um, legally, we have to be out of the country by the end of February, beginning of March. We have until about the 6th of March of next year. So, um, Lord Enabling will be back in Canada by end of February, no later than the first week of March. And, um... We're looking at possibly now. Once we get to Canada, basically we need we need the country of Canada to give my wife access into into Canada, basically through a normal visa. Once we're there, we can start on the spousal sponsorship, which takes a few years to get. But once she gets her work permit, unlike the green card here, once she gets the work permit in Canada, she can travel outside the country, which is opposite to what they do here. So that's a blessing. But we're right now. Before we can start the sponsorship, I have to have clear direction on how soon to come back in to America. I already know that we, we have to stay in Canada for at least a few months, just because normally they will not grant you access right back in if you've stayed the whole, your whole time period in America and then waited a few weeks and come back in. They normally will not grant you access. So we normally have to wait a few months, but then I have to know if it's a longer period of time and then come back in. Or if short, you know, maybe two, three months, and then come back in for deputation. But time frame when we go to Canada, yes, early, early next year, February or so. Any other questions? Yes, brother. There are Russians everywhere. Yes, in Alberta. So I do not know exactly which town it will be, but yes, in Alberta there are Russian people there, for sure. My parents were there, and they saw Russian people. They saw. So many Indian people too. It's amazing how the Lord's prepared us. The Lord has peculiarly prepared my wife and I to reach the mixed people of Canada. We have been in Russia. Russia is like, if I can compare it, it's the North America of Asia. So there's so many mixed people in Russia from other countries. And so God allowed us to be in contact with these different people. And then being in India, God has really prepared us to reach these different people. And of course the Russian people. So yes, I have a desire to reach those people. And when we were there for the 12 and a half years, we heard of Russians trying to, going to Canada, even before the war. And so now, so even more so. So yes, there are Russian people there. Any other questions? Yes, brother. All right. 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 Yes, there is the danger of that. We faced that all the time we were in Russia. We knew that at any point in time we could be put in jail. It was on the grace of the Lord that we were there for that long, being able to do what we could do. In Canada, yes, we will be facing that kind of same thing. Yes, we, there are certain things, especially towards against these wicked things that's going on in our world with the, les with the homosexuality and, and just everything that's going on. It's, it's wicked, and um, yes. 
abortion, yes, you could be possibly put in jail. I'm not afraid of that. If I'm put in jail, then Lord knows, and he could use me there too, right? We face that in Russia too. Any other questions? All right. If you have any other questions, please, if you can't think of one right now, and oh, it's like I should have asked him that, please come to me after services. I'm, we're, or to myself or my wife, we're very open to ask, answer any questions you might have, and uh, we're very ready, so. All right. What, till what time? Seven, all right. All right, let's um, open your Bibles with me. Open your Bibles with me. We only have a um, short time here, but open your Bibles to, with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter six. We're gonna we're gonna read the most of this chapter, but um, before I want to read it, just a few verses, then we'll pray and then get into this chapter here. But Isaiah chapter six says in verse eight and says, "Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" Then said I, "Here am I, send me." And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would please hide me behind your cross, Lord, that you would be made evident, Lord. I pray that you would open our, our eyes, Lord, to your word here, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be able to share your truths here with, with understanding and wisdom, Lord, with boldness, Lord, to preach your word. That you will work on each and every one of our hearts, Lord, here tonight. That we would leave here being changed for the better, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would... Bless tonight, Lord, and help us, Lord, to gain something from you tonight, and that you would meet with us, Lord, as you promised, and said, as where two or three are gathered together in thy name, you are in the midst, Lord. I pray that you would have free course in our hearts tonight, Lord, that your Holy Spirit might not be hindered, Lord. Love you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Say these things in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here in Isaiah chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Why? Because it's a very mission-focused chapter. Here we hear the very famous words, Here am I, send me. This, these words, these exact words, have been used many times in different spiritual and Christian songs and hymns to betray the mission-minded, the mission view. And here this chapter is packed full of things, and we're going to look into these things. We're going to look at different points and aspects which brought that, that, and things that happened in this chapter that brought Isaiah to the point of being used of God. Not only of him surrendering to God and saying, here am I, send me, but of him truly being used 
of God for the ministry that God had called him to. So here in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I truly believe that every single word of God, every word that's in the word of God is inspired by the, by the Spirit of God. That every word of God is, has been placed there for a purpose and specifically put there to, and it's not a mistake. Here it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Understand here, God is giving us a basically a timeline. It's in the exact year that King Uzziah, the king of, Israel, king of Judah, he died. He had passed away. Now, if you read Second Kings chapter 15 and Second Chronicles 26, you'll read about King Uzziah. King Uzziah, among the kings of Judah, there were not many like him. He was a righteous, God, a righteous man. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was a king that sought after God, that desired to serve the Lord. It's such a blessing for the man of God and for those who serve the Lord to have and see someone come into power who loves the Lord and desires to serve him. Isaiah was a prophet in Israel. And he served during the time of Uzziah. And not only him, but if we turn to the first chapter of Isaiah, he he lived... It says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. He lived and he prophesied during the time of these kings. Uzziah and Hezekiah were righteous kings. They did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And here in chapter 6, we pick up, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. If you went back, if you've read, if you have read in the past, 2 Kings chapter 15 and 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you would have heard about what happened. Why did Uzziah die? He was a righteous king. But even a righteous king is not higher than God. Uzziah, what did he do? In his latter years, he went, it says that he went into the Holy of Holies. You don't know what that is? That's the temple of God. There was the temple of God built by Solomon, and there was the front part, which was called the holy place. And then there was the place that no man could enter in except the high priest once a year. Without, except, except he could only enter in with the shedding of blood. He could only go in to that place once a year with the blood of a spotless lamb. Once a year. And that place was covered by a thick curtain, which was split in two. On the, by the cross when Christ died from top to bottom, showing that only God could do it, making a way for us into the Holy of Holies. But at that time, there was this thick curtain that only the high priest could go into. The Holy of Holies, where the ark of God was, in the mercy seat. And King Uzziah, a righteous king, came in the temple with a censer, with fragrance for the Lord, and he desired to go into the Holy of Holies. He usurped his God's authority. He overstepped his boundary, his place of authority. He, yes, he was the king of Israel, a king of Judah, but he, God was the God of Israel. He was the king of kings. And he could not go past that. He tried. And the priest, he said, no. You are not allowed in this place. But Uzziah, he put, stretched forth his hand to go forward and God smote, with him, smote him with leprosy. And that from that moment of time, he spent the last few years of his reign being a leper. And he died because of it. 
Here, in the, it says, why am I telling you this? Why? Because I want you to get a little picture of Isaiah here. The focus, the main thing, the man I want us to focus on tonight is Isaiah, the prophet of God. Here it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he sees a vision of heaven. What was Isaiah going through? Now, the, what I'm about to say, understand, these are my thoughts. I'm very clear on this. I do not want you to mistakenly think that this is in the Word of God, because it isn't. But this is what I think it is. This is what I think, possibly, would have been going on. Knowing Isaiah, and knowing as a man of God, what I would have felt during this time, and what he himself said in, these word, in this chapter. Isaiah, what would have you been feeling? Heartbreak? Sorrow? Or the death of Uzziah? Of Uzziah? Why? Because he's a righteous king. And as we, he knew that it was not certain, it was not confirmed that the next king would be like him. And he would have been in sorrow and anguish. I believe that he was in sorrow and anguish and pain and possibly said some things that he should have not said over the death of Uzziah. Well, why do I say that? Well, in the coming verses, we'll see why. Because when he testifies, when he confesses his sin... He is very specific with what he says, how he sinned. Here it says Uzziah, now we'll get back to that, but here in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the, t and the train filled his temple. Get a little picture here. I'm going to step down. Is it fine if I can step down here? It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. A train talks about those people who are in the court of God, those who are in great kings and queens. If you've read about the kings and queens of England, they had a great train that followed them, those who were attending him, those who were their court, part of the court. That's what the train was. So the train filled the temple. There was a multitude of people. And high above them all was the Lord God. He sits upon a throne. I want to show you a few different points here. Number one, I want to show you some things about God, but then I want to show you about something about Isaiah, the man, a man like us. Number one, in verse one we see, what do we see about God? We see his kingly authority. Who's sitting upon the throne? The Lord God. Isaiah, in the same book of Isaiah, so Isaiah um, later in the, in the book, but Isaiah 40, that chapter, God is coming to Israel, speaking through his prophet, says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. He is the one who is reigning upon the earth. Not idols, not gods. He alone. God upon the throne. Christ. God. And these points we're going to look at was key and essential for Isaiah to come to the point that he came to at the end of the chapter. Number one, Isaiah had to understand something about God. What was the first thing he had to understand? God's kingly authority. Uzziah wasn't king. God was. Uzziah didn't sit upon the throne of heaven. The Lord did. He was, he was Lord. When you call Jesus Christ Lord, that means master. Means he controls you. He owns you. Lord God, he is Lord. He is the one who sits upon the throne. He is, has kingly authority. We see, first of all, that God's kingly authority. And Isaiah, he saw the throne of God. 
And then it continues on. It says, above it stood the seraphims, these angels. And it says, each one had six wings. And with twain, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another. These angels are crying not before the, before the Lord, but they're crying one to another. Saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We see the second thing. Isaiah not only, Isaiah not only had to understand God's kingly authority, but he had to understand God's glorious holiness. These angels crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, Lord of hosts. Crying, it says in, in first Thess, in Revelation chapter four, it says they cried day and night. Holy, holy, holy. I can imagine Isaiah, he's seen the throne of God. He's seen this multitude of people, these angels crying a holy, 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 and reverberating everywhere. And then he sees the posts, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. The glory, holiness of God. You know, a few a little example here about you know the house filled with smoke. A few months ago, as a good husband, I was cooking. Yes, I know I was cooking. I'm not a really good cook, but I was trying to be a blessing to my wife. I was cooking breakfast, and I was like, you know, I'll cook some bacon and stuff like that. I go to, I put it on the pan, I set it on, I'm letting it cook, and I quickly run into my our room and see how my wife's doing, and I stay a little bit too longer than I should, and uh, you can guess what happened. I run back to the room, to the kitchen. I had closed the door. I opened it up, and just smoke started pouring out. I was like, "Oh no, I burnt the I burnt the bacon." But at that moment, when I opened the door, I can imagine Isaiah. He's seen the throne of God, and he sees the temple. The doors moved, and the smoke starts just pouring out, engulfing him. You get a little sensation. What's happening here? what he's experiencing. And he's not the only one who experienced. You can read John Beloved. He experienced the same thing. Ezekiel. They always saw the throne of God. Daniel saw it too. Isaiah had to understand God's kingly authority. Number two, he had to understand God's glorious holiness. And these things, when he understood and he saw these things, we see the very first thing about Isaiah. We see, number one, we see his shame and submission before the Lord God. It says in verse, let's read verse 5 here. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Back to what I said before, what I, again, not in the word of God, but what I believe. I believe that Isaiah had said some things that he should have not said. Why? Because look what he said. Woe is me. That means great pain and great sorrow and anguish upon me. Great terrible things upon me. Why? For I'm done. I'm undone. I'm a sinner. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips. He was very specific. He didn't say, I'm, not, I'm, unclean. I'm a man of unclean hands or dirty hands. I'm a man of unclean ways. No, he was a man of unclean lips. That's very specific. He says, woe is me. We see his submission before the Lord. He says, woe is me, for I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm a, I dwell among a people of uncleanness. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We see his shame and submission before the Lord God. Number two, we see man's sanctification. 
In the next verse, it says, Then flew one of the seraphims, this angel, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth. Why his mouth? Because he was a man of unclean lips. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Isaiah was, was cleansed and sanctified. Sanctification means to be purified and cleansed and set aside for a specific use by, for God. The pianos here, beautiful instruments. I truly believe with 100% of my heart that your pastor here would not allow any person, just any man, any common person off the road to come in here and play any kind of music on these pianos. Why? Because they've been set aside for the use of the Lord. They've been sanctified. Isaiah had to be sanctified. For him to be used of God, he had to become before God in shame and submission. Why? Because he was a sinner. And he had said some things, he had done some things that he should have not done. And then he had to be sanctified. He had to be set aside for the use of the Lord. Then, very next verse as we hear, I know I went, I'm going back and forth, but we saw God's kingly authority, we saw God's glorious holiness. And then we see in verse 8, God's call. It says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And at the same time, we see something about man. We see man's sensitivity and surrender to God's call. It says, here am I, send me. It says, very first thing we see, then also I heard the voice of the Lord saying. Isaiah, he heard the voice of the Lord. So many people today, Christians, they don't hear the voice of the Lord. They're so busy and distracted about the things about this world, about this world and this world today, that they forget to listen to the still small voice of the Lord, saying, "I'm calling you. What are you doing? Do this." They get too distracted. Isaiah, he was sensitive, like Samuel was. Right? He says, "The Lord says, Samuel, Samuel." Three times Samuel got up and ran to Eli, the high priest. Third time he answered the Lord. He says. Thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Isaiah was sensitive to God's call, and he surrendered to it. He says, here am I. Send me. We see God's call, and we see man's sensitivity and surrender to God's call. And then we see in next verse, verse 9, and he said, the Lord God said, go. God didn't waste time. We see God's call, and then we see God's commission. Once a man surrenders to God's call, God will use him. God won't just let that vessel stand still and not be used. We are vessels of the Lord. If you're a child of God tonight, then you are a vessel for his use. The question is, are you being used? If you're not, then the question is, why not? Does God not have a place for you? He does. But have you surrendered? Because if you have surrendered, then God will use you. God wants to use you as his vessel. Here, Isaiah, he was sensitive and he surrendered to God's call. And he said, Lord, I will be used of you as your vessel to be used as you fit, see fit. Then God said, yes, now I will use you. Go and tell this people. He, God sent him to a hard people, people who had ears, but they would not hear, have eyes, but they would not see, have hearts, but they would not understand. God said, Go and do this work that I have for you. So we see God's commission. And then 
verse 11, we see the last thing we see about man, about Isaiah. You see man's submission and subservience to God's commission. Isaiah, he said, Lord, I will be used. Use me. And then when God said, go and do this and this and this and this hard task I have for you, we don't hear Isaiah saying, whoa, hold on. I didn't sign up for that. No, 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 no. No, no, you know what? I've changed my mind. He didn't say that. What do we hear him say? He says, Lord, hold on. He, says, he asks a question of time, but he submitted himself. He was subservient to God's commission. He didn't say, Lord, I'm, you know what? Like Moses gave four excuses. Like why not to use me? Isaiah didn't see it. We don't see that in Isaiah. He says, Lord, how long? Lord, how long? How, what time? And God says, until there's no one left. God has a call upon each and every one of us. You don't think so? Well, first of all, God calls every single person in this world today. Turn to Revelations chapter 22 in your own time. I'll read these verses. If you have time, we'll quickly read these verses. Revelations chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. Revelations 22, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root, of, root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, what? Come. And let him that heareth say, and let him that athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Amazing thing. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. We have that verse. I can't um, that song. I can't remember the rest. But whosoever will. God says, come. God has a call for you. As If you're not saved here tonight, you know what's God, call of God? Come. Come. While there's yet time. For in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For today is the acceptable time. For today is a day of salvation. You do not know, no, you do not know when your life will end. It doesn't matter how young you might be or how old you might be. It doesn't matter. Our life is as a vapor. You can pass away in a moment. God says, Come while it is yet time. Come and receive of the water of life freely. Whosoever will come. God calls the unbeliever to salvation. But child of God, God calls you too. A very famous passage, Matthew chapter 28. You have it here, 19 and 20. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Christ was speaking to the church, to the born-again believer of the church. God calls not just the pastor, not just the deacon, not just the evangelist, not just the teachers, and preachers in the church, he calls every single one of us to go. He has called you. The question is, are you, are you surrendering to his call? That's the question. That's what determines it. We see here an example of Isaiah with his heart saying, here am I, send me. I want to leave you with a question tonight. I want you to go home and think about this. Are you sensitive to God's call? Are you surrendering to God's call? And are you submissive to God's commission? Are you sensitive to God's call? Are you surrendered to his call? And are you submitting 
to his commission. Each and every one of us is called. Born again believer, you're called to go into the world. Unsaved, child, unsaved, unsaved person, you're called to come. You're called to come to salvation. That's why I'm here. That's why we are here as born again believers to call people to salvation through the word of God. Come while it's yet time. Let us have the heart of Isaiah to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, here am I. Send me. I will go where you want me to go. Just here am I. Send me. Let's pray.